The Start On Demand. On demand. Google Maps is now providing a heads up when you're approaching a photo radar camera. McNabb tried to get it to work for her, but it didn't. Has it worked for you? The province has told school divisions in Winnipeg to hold the line on taxes. Will they? We'll hear from a Winnipeg School Division trustee who is fired up. The Michael Jackson documentary on HBO, Leaving Neverland, has some radio stations in Quebec boycotting his music. And the first trailer is out for the final season of Game of Thrones. And many people are sad because it's the beginning of the end. Why do we get sad about saying goodbye to things like TV shows? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Wednesday, March 6th podcast for The Start. Before you drive into work this morning, you might want to set your destination in Google Maps. Why is that, Loren? Well, it's got a new feature, which apparently has been out for a little bit, but I just learned about it this morning, and I think you guys did too, where it's warning of photo radar locations. It's going to include an automated voice that will say something like speed camera ahead. But if you don't have that running, you can also check your route beforehand to see on the map where speed cameras might be, mobile speed cameras, those red light cameras, even, you know, um, they call them speed traps. So now... One of our colleagues had this on the other day and said the warnings came a few blocks in advance. I was explaining earlier that I tried it this morning and did a bunch of different routes going around radar cameras and didn't receive any of notification. But my question and our question to listeners this morning is, is this a good idea? Do we want to be warning people where the cameras are or do we want to be just is the, is the goal to stop people from going through the intersection to catch them? to get that cash because the more you know, the less you're going to get that ticket. I'm trying to figure out, you guys are looking at me, what are you doing, Mackling? I'm trying to figure out how big those signs are. They they post yeah. them that you, they warn you essentially that an upcoming intersection is is ahead that is governed or could be or could contain photo radar. It's so those they- signs are there and, you know, my immediate reaction to these things is always, you don't want a ticket don't speed. Mm -hmm. But let's face it, they are a good warning in order to help you keep your speed and for you to check your speedometer every once in a while. I like to think I do a pretty good job of keeping my speed. But a police officer in in Calgary, in Calgary, they're saying, look, these are supposed to be keeping us safer. And that is the reason for photo radar. Lots of people don't believe that. They think it's a revenue generator. And so if that is the intent, then this is a good thing. Yeah, I like it that it's uh, you're getting the notification because if you're going through the intersection anyway and it tells you, hey, by the way, slow down. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you, I find myself sometimes wandering into a school zone and just not paying attention, like just kind of mindlessly going up this road that I've driven a million times mm-hmm. in my life. It just happened the other day. I was going home to see my dad. I turned off of Kildare in Transcona onto Madeline, which runs right past John Gunn Junior High. And uh, just down the street from there is Radisson, which is an elementary school. And uh, as I was passing the sign and doing, I think, 45 at the time, I saw the sign that said 30 and I just kind of hit my brakes. Yeah, because there may have been a photo radar lurking immediately 10 feet ahead. But I slowed down because I saw the sign and it warned, like there was enough warning to, hey, 
was just that little nudge. But you mentioned those signs, Greg, and I feel like I just noticed them this morning. In my efforts to get the Google Maps thing to work okay. to see if it was happening, I was like, oh, that's interesting. These signs, have these signs always been here telling me this photo radar camera is coming? And I just, you know, when you're busy and you're driving and you're going along, you mentioned you go through that school zone dozens of times. You forget. You could go down. The, I, I do the same route every day, and I forget at least once a week that there's that red camera at Corden and Keniston. You're not trying to be a scowflaw. You're no, not trying I, I, to I just, break the law. People who do, you know there are people out there that do the, I'm going to go 70 or 75 in a 60, but I know where the red light cameras are. Mm -hmm. You know those people are out there and and hopefully police will catch up to them at some point, traffic enforcement. But I know for me as well, there's a huge, the school zone near my house must be, I don't know, must be half a kilometer long. It's huge. And so there's also a pedestrian crosswalk in the middle of it. So quite often, depending on the time of the day, I'll have to stop there. And then you get going again. It's like, oh, right. I'm in the middle of a school zone. (laughs) But you're respectful of it, but you're not always on top of it the way you need to be. And I get the idea of enforcing these things, but isn't the idea for us to be safer. And if that's the case, then I'm okay with this. I like it for other cities. If you travel, if, if it works for me when I travel somewhere else, then I think that's good too. I don't know. Do, do tickets transfer from province to province? Like if I'm in Calgary and they'll find you, especially find if you've me. rented a car. Right. So find you. if you're if you're traveling, you don't know where those cameras exist or where those speed traps are. And in some cities, they're on highways. Like it's you're not used to that in Manitoba, but in other cities you, where I've oh, traveled, true. you'll get a ticket going too fast on a highway where a photo ca- camera radar. Because in Manitoba, it's fairly limited where they to can the set city, those up. For the right? most the part. mobile ones yeah. have to be near a school zone, right? right. Is that the or a playground, or there's, they, there's some limitations. They, have to be. they can't just set up at random spots. So if it works for me when I'm traveling, I like that because I don't. I have gotten tickets from other jurisdictions. And I know that there was a furor as well uh, over the holidays because there's that other app that's out there called Trap Spy, mm-hmm. and that's that's an app that was similar. It was designed to warn people of where radar traps were set up or where photo radars were set up, but then they were all the app was also telling you where the check stops. We're set up. No. I don't like that. Didn't don't like that. No, don't that's like that. no good. Like you're, if you're going out, of, if you're drinking and driving, and you're going out of your way to set up a to avoid a check stop, like that's a whole other whole other issue. Uh, Tap trap is another gizmo that you can buy. It was actually invented here in Winnipeg, and that uh, is basically information share. So if you have a tap trap and you notice that there is radar set up, you tap it, and then that information is pooled, and anybody else who has that. Gizmo uh, gets that information as they make their way uh, through uh, through that area. See, I don't know if I day. like that either because the, again, the goal That's is the to get you to, to slow the down, lights, right? and you're supposed to slow down. You're supposed to drive safely, and if they do need to get those problem drivers. So if you're being warned, no matter where you go, that this mobile unit has now moved over to the Grant Avenue or wherever wherever it is then it's defeating the purpose of getting those problem drivers who are constantly speeding. That's why you need traffic enforcement. That's why a lot of people like, really, this is how we're going to, this is how we're going to enforce who's speeding. This should be in combination in concert with more enforcement on the roads. I don't know the last time I saw anybody get pulled over 
on the streets of Winnipeg for doing something dumb, speeding or otherwise. It's super uncommon. So I think it should be I more saw, common. I saw the cops pull a cabbie over oh, really? uh, just a couple of days ago, oh, coming well, off good. of Goulet onto Taché. Well, not because it's a cabbie, but good. It's good to know they're out there. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> I, I still see them out there, but you're right. You don't see as many cops sort of perched trying to peg people off for speeding. They're coming. Our enemy doesn't tire. Doesn't stop. Doesn't feel. Thank you so much for joining us in the start this morning with Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And the first trailer arrived yesterday at 10 o'clock our time for season eight, the final season of Game of Thrones. Producer Kyle was running through the building telling anybody he could tell, anybody who cared, that the trailer was out, including me. He popped his head into the studio I was working in. Brett, the trailer's out for Game of Thrones! So I stopped what I was doing to watch it, and I had to take a few minutes to decompress after that. (laughs) But Loren noticed that a lot of people are lamenting the fact that this is the beginning of the end. Right, some of the comments were... That they weren't didn't know if they were ready for it. Partly because they, if they're, if it's here, then it means the end is the end is nigh. That's right. So we thought we'd have a conversation <laughs> about why we get like sad that. about things like this. Why are we sad that a TV show is coming to an end? Jeff, I got to start with you, co-host sure. of the Couch Potatoes, Jeff Braun. I know that uh, in recent years, you've seen many of your favorite, favorite shows go away. Yeah, I think it's just human nature to be bummed about when anything you like stops being a thing in your life, whether it be someone you know passing away or even something as simple as a show dying. Yeah. Why did you look at me when you said someone you know (laughs) passing away? Well, let's get real. You've got, by 20 years, the best shot of passing on before the rest of us. Take your vitamins, Kelly. <laughs> yeah, when, and when TV shows go away, like you said, a, a lot of mine have. Parks and Rec was one of my favorite. That ended Reese a couple of years ago. And I think the same year that Dave Letterman went off the air, which I found crushing because he'd been in my life for like 30 years. But the one I remember the most, and this is the one I keep telling myself when something I do like ends, is back in 2004, uh, within a week of each other, I believe, Friends ended and then Frasier ended. And those are two of my favorite shows. Wow. And it was at a point where it was like, oh, there are no sitcoms that I really like on the air anymore. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And then just a few months later, The Office started. Oh, And wow. then I found something. So I always think in the back of my head when something goes off the air, give it a little few months or a year, something, something good will come along again. Gotta love Hollywood. They can't help but keep... Crunching out just great content every day. Is it because you get? Oh, go ahead, Jeff. I was going to say, is it because you get connected to the characters? Like, uh, like I've only really watched Breaking Bad. That's my only show. But I was was thinking about it. But like when I was watching the Osbournes, you know, Ozzy and the Family. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I was getting connected with the family when I was watching that. So. Well, yeah. I mean, a television show that is on over time, you do become connected to the 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 characters, and then essentially, the the show, the characters are kind of like your friends, right? Yeah. That's that's why I've always wondered what's better, the 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 week to week model or the binging model, because if you binge a show, like I watch Breaking Bad in ten days, yeah. 
And I didn't really, I loved it, but I didn't have time to really get to know them. I was actually thinking with Breaking Bad, I was sick of him by the end. I was like, how much longer can this guy keep doing what he's doing? He is a meth dealer, man. Like, why haven't they caught him? Like, I was actually more annoyed. I wasn't connected because you had watched so much. And when it's compressed like that, it seems so ridiculous that I was like, see you later, man. Like, I'm done with you. You and your nonsense. (laughs) But he's, he's Heisenberg. Yeah, so I know that I've been watching Game of Thrones since it started, and I'm very excited for this final season, but I hate the fact that it's the final season. Although I guess they've got spinoffs coming, right, Jeff? Yeah, they do. Is that all locked in or whatever? Well, I think they're working on at least three spinoffs, so it's not the last time we're going and to see this stuff. Amazon's got their massive, we're not entirely sure what it is going to be yet, but they've pumped a quarter of a billion dollars into their Lord of the Rings TV show that's coming, so... Yeah. Sounds like something that might be interesting for Game of Thrones fans. Especially. What about the the sports and guys in the room, Kelly? Did you get sad when uh, when a, a season ends or when the playoffs come to an end? Is there kind of that sort of letdown after that? Um, I don't know. It all depends, I guess. Uh, when there's a really compelling series, you you kind of want it to to last forever. I, I think of the 2016 World Series between the Cubs and the uh, Indians. Boy, that was such a a phenomenal playoff you didn't ever want it to end oh no i was glad that it ended no i know (laughs) i know you did but it was just for pure entertainment you want it to continue but you know uh, i've never seen game of thrones but i'm guessing that it's going out at the top of its game uh kind of like how mash did how seinfeld did uh, and i always pray and hope that when a series ends and, and and goes out on top the way it did like breaking bad that there's no sequel like just you know what? Yeah. Like, like when an athlete quits too, right? Yeah, they should. Yeah. You want them to kind of go out, not at the bottom of their career, but somewhere. Yeah, you know, somewhere maybe if not the at top. their peak, then it's shortly after, as, and, and as, not to come back when they come yeah. back. You're like, you quit. Yeah, We're and with TV with shows, as sad as you are, when if you're sad that it, when it goes off the air, that's a good thing because the other option is that it overstays it overstays, its welcome yeah. and you don't care about it when it finally ends. I don't think Wally Buono is the only person in terms of sports general managers that subscribes to the idea. I'd rather trade a player or cut him a year too early than a year too late. And yeah. I think that goes back and ties Absolutely. into what you're saying, Jeff. I would rather be left wanting more as opposed yes. to saying, okay, Chad, we get it. You're yeah. never coming around on this marriage thing. Well, they got married. What else do we need to know? Like, that's the end of the line. Let's let it be. Yeah, somebody texting us saying, I dread the day. This is us. Is going to be over. I feel like the family on Man, that show was, is like my family now. Last night I was, was powerful thinking, again, yeah, right? I haven't seen the show. Uh, Don't say anything. Uh, uh, but yeah, I was thinking of that, Brett, as you were describing how people's feelings play out with the other. And honest to God, I was just thinking, man, I hope this is us hangs in there for a couple more years. Yeah, it's been very good, and uh, I, I, a good reminder. I, I have to watch last night's episode. Ah, nice music. Ah, Saskatchewan continues to swing for the fences as it does its best to put its new stadium in the spotlight. As you might expect, Brett McGarry, this story has got me a little bit uh, down. Uh, just a few months after announcing the Winnipeg Jets and Calgary Flames would play the Heritage Classic this coming October 26th at Mosaic Stadium, rumors of a national Football League preseason game heading to the Queen City have taken off, but officials are keeping the lid tight on any official announcement. Cami Kepke of Global News is in Regina. 
The unbridled passion of Rough Riders fans is stuff of legend across Canada. But the United States might be getting a big wake-up call. This is the epicenter of really serious football fandom. Rumblings of a preseason NFL game hosted in the Queen City are swirling. We're a very small city in a football-crazed province, so we would have 33,000 people in a heartbeat to watch. I, I would argue any two good NFL teams. They do promote it across in Europe, so why not here? Brand new stadium. John Gormley says his sources in Wisconsin point to the Green Bay Packers and Oakland Raiders as the likely competitors. I know lots of people who will go to Minnesota or even Green Bay for a game, so being able to drive 20 minutes and watch a game would be perfect. A total of 26 NFL games have been played in Canada since the mid-1920s. Most recently, the Bills-Toronto series in 2013. But the NFL has never strayed beyond Hamilton, Vancouver, Montreal and Toronto. For Regina, it would be the first professional sports game outside the CFL to be played at New Mosaic Stadium. The CFL, NFL, Packers, Raiders and even the city of Regina have declined comment. But Mayor Michael Fougere has hinted at a major event coming to Mosaic Stadium in August when the Rough Riders will be on a road trip. Evraz Place says there isn't a promoter contract in place for the stadium right now, but multiple facilities are being kept on hold until the deadline for official signings. Cami Kepke, Global News. So Saskatchewan continues to think outside the box in terms of bringing incredible events to that community. Good for them. <laughs> 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 then that's where it ends for you. I can't believe it. So Hamilton, Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Hamilton the, oh, was like long time I, I, ago. I don't even yeah. remember that. I do remember Toronto. You probably weren't alive. And Regina is going to be next on the NFL radar? Yeah. <laughs> I just wish you could see the look on I Greg's face right now. Imagine hey. your mother just angry at you over like you not eating your supper and then refusing to go to bed and then Multiply worse. that by 10. In a moment, we want to dip into this Michael Jackson documentary situation because there's something happening in Quebec in response to that. But before that, I want to tell you that UB40 is announcing a 2019 tour and they're coming to the Burton Cummings Theatre on Friday, September 13th. And that's cool, but it reminds me of this story from when I was a kid. Do you remember Good Rockin' Tonight? Well, was that with Terry David Mulligan or Stu Jeffries? In this particular iteration, it was TDM. Of course. And I was like five or six years old. And was this on cable? I never had cable. CBC. Oh. Yeah. It's wow. on peasant so I vision. No, I have no Farmer excuse. vision, whatever you want okay, to call it. Because I got nothing here. Okay, keep going. <laughs> wow, you don't remember Good Rockin' Tonight? I'll oh have to goodness. look it up. Loren was too busy at 4-H on Friday night. She didn't see it. Yeah, I was. Woo! So they had a contest, and I can't even remember what the contest was, uh, what the grand prize was, but I, I threw my name in, I sent in a letter, and I... Ended up winning something. I remember when they, there were like hundreds of winners. So they did this scroll of names and it just went by. My name appeared like a blip. Uh, but I was able to pause it and take a picture of it, I think. And called my, I remember calling my aunt to say it was on, my name was on TV. And so when I got my prize, it was uh, an LP, a vinyl LP for UB40 and a postcard, signed postcard from Terry David Mulligan. But here's the thing. I hate that song, Red Red Wine, <laughs> and I hated it when I was a kid, and I was so mad, I tore... Thank you, Forte. Thank you, Jeff You are Forte. quite welcome. I tore up the postcard, and I 
threw it on the ground. You ungrateful so-and-so. That's exactly what my dad said. As I sat there crying in the bathroom, he yelled at me, called me an ingrate. Yeah, it was bad. So anyway, UB40 coming to Winnipeg if you like that sort of thing. I like some of their other music, but I still can't stand that song. (laughs) There you go. I like it. Do you you still like Michael Jackson songs? Mm, we're on the fence on that one right now. So I think a lot of us are. That's the question we're asking this morning because if you haven't heard, there's an expose or a documentary that's out on Michael Jackson and it's called Leaving Neverland. And depending on where you sit, you're either furious that these old sex abuse allegations would be revisited again, or you're now thinking, I might never listen to Michael Jackson's music again. The documentary aired on HBO and it features lengthy interviews with two men and their families who claim the King of Pop sexually molested them when they were kids. The two men previously defended him during a trial in 2005, but in later years accused Michael Jackson of molestation. And while those charges were dismissed in the court of law, they're being considered again in what we always refer to as the court of public opinion because of this documentary. Here's a section. Hello, Wade. Today is your birthday. So congratulations. I love you. Goodbye. There's no thoughts of this is wrong or anything like that. He told me if they ever found out what we were doing, he and I would go to jail for the rest of our lives. Secrets will eat you up. You feel so alone. I want to be able to speak the truth as loud as I had to speak the lie for so long. So in this documentary, he's kind of shown as this mega star who manipulated these little boys and their families. They go on in interviews to talk about the idea that, you know, they were afraid to to speak out and that their parents were even manipulated because they were all invited to spend all this time at Neverland, which is, of course, was it his ranch that had, you know, rides and carousels basically, and little trains going around? Basically a mini Disneyland. So you can already get that on on demand, but I think the part two is still coming up and it moves through the trial and these allegations. But we know in Quebec already, Greg, that some radio stations there um, have pulled, said we're never playing his songs again. Three Montreal music stations have already decided they will no longer play Jackson songs because of these renewed abuse allegations. Got an unsolicited text about this this morning. I had a long conversation with one of my best friends on the phone about it yesterday. He's disgusted by the documentary, and he's vowed not to listen to their music. This, in concert with what's happening with R. Kelly, R. Kelly had that dramatic, we heard a little piece of it with Jeff Braun in the news this morning, conversation with Gail King on CBS. I know that Lady Gaga had a song that she did with R. Kelly years ago, And she's pulled digitally that song from all streaming services. I'm wondering if any streaming services will do the same with Michael Jackson's music. And if that happens, it would be fairly unprecedented to one of the largest, one of the biggest music icons of all time. But if you, if people, hasn't happened, but will it? If people didn't stop listening to it in 2005 when he went to court and all sorts of allegations were made, why now? Because I don't think we heard very much from the victims in 2005. I think the victims were very silent. And or is it, it it's easier a different, because he's dead? Different, well, it could be easier because he's dead. But I think in this era of social media, and it's a lot easier to share your story now. And let's face it, these, these uh, men now defended Jackson back in 2005 and now have had time to consider uh, their station in life and what's going on. And... 
let's face it, it sounds like they had some serious pressure put on them to make sure that they kept their story in concert with Jackson's. Did you watch this documentary? I've not watched it yet. You, McNabb? I've watched parts of it, and I watched part of afterwards when um, they Oprah. were on Oprah. Sorry, thank you. But uh, to be honest, those those I've watched fed sections. You know, things get cut. And so Washington posted a story, and it talked about the things that they thought were stood out for it. So I watched those clips, and then I watched a bit of Oprah. So I'm that's already been cut into a or spun into a version of events. I haven't watched it in its entirety, which I should. I've, I've watched. Pardon me. Sorry, I've watched the whole thing. Um, it's two parts, a uh, total of four hours, and it just makes me, it made me feel dirty, gross, yeah. like, like you won't listen to his music the same way, or you won't listen to it at all anymore? It's hard to look at him the same way. It's, yeah, yeah you got to take it as how you see it, so I can't say for everyone, but it uh, just yeah. made me feel wrong. Well, and maybe, I admit that, that uh, there. I think there's a part of me that doesn't want to mm-hmm. watch this because I have been a fan of Michael Jackson as long as I can remember. As long as I have memories, Michael Jackson has been in my life and his music has been in my life and I love Michael Jackson's music. I know I should watch this. It's on my PVR and it came up in conversation a couple of days ago. Do you want to watch this documentary? Not right now. I just want, I mean, I wasn't, I just was not in the mood for a documentary, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. But part of it is the motivation that do I want to watch this? I'm kind of scared to watch it and see what is there. And just a warning it's very, very detailed. Like it's very disturbing, very detailed. Okay. We'd like to hear from you if you've seen it. What is your take? Are you, are you, Turning the the dial when you hear his music. Are you purposefully avoiding his music on streaming services, etc.? And if you are an HBO subscriber and you missed it when it first aired, you can access it on demand, particularly if you are with Shaw. I know that uh, you can go into their on demand and it it will be there. And uh, I'm sure HBO will run this again many times. But yeah, let us know if you've seen it. 204-780-6868. HBO, by the way, being sued, I think, by the Jackson family. They've come out and called it a public lynching that he defended himself in court and he was proven innocent. And so they're, of course, very upset because money, they're suing for money because money's at stake as well if these songs don't get played. Oh, big time money for the Jackson family. Really quick, just got an email that echoed the sentiments you brought up in the newsroom this morning, Loren. Taking down Michael Jackson music is akin to tearing down a statue of John A. McDonald. It can't change the past. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning. And tomorrow, oh, I'm so excited. I am. I love going into lockup and uh, trying to figure out those numbers and see which way things are going to be spun or not spun. And I use the word love, and I'm sticking with it. Budget day for the conservative <laughs> government. You going to buy some popcorn? Budget day lunch. The finance minister used to get budget day shoes. Maybe I should go out and get some new shoes. Yeah, they, they bought right. shoes for somebody else yes, yesterday. Which was a neat uh, change of events. Was an employee at Vita Health. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's kind of okay. interesting. So the budget's out tomorrow for 2019. And we know the conservatives campaigned on a promise to reduce the deficit. And they have made inroads on that. But in that push to cut costs, they've asked all their departments to find ways to save, including school divisions, who've been given a directive in writing, keep property taxes to 2% or else. Here's Education Minister Kelvin Gertson. Those who are uh, are not, uh, who are increasing their taxes more than 2%, more than what's been uh, asked from, uh, from the provincial government to protect taxpayers, uh, those would have a higher ask when it comes to the administration costs.
So, will they? Winnipeg School Division mulling a 2.9% tax increase above the 2% cap. Mark Wasilyu is one of its trustees and joins us on the phone now. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. So are you heeding the warning that I think, if I understand right, Mark, you got in writing? Uh, well, it was sent uh, in an email to uh, our uh, administration last week. We haven't received the minister's letter, but, I mean, the, the man is threatening us. We take the threat seriously, and we certainly are, are uh, respecting that he's sincere when he says he wants to punish school boards. What would the penalties look like? Do we know at this point? Uh, we do. Uh, right now, the cap on administration is 3% for school boards, which is far lower than Winnipeg Regional Health or City of Winnipeg or even the Department of Education. Our uh, administration costs, uh, when it comes to government in Manitoba, are the lowest. So that being said, uh, they want to lower it even more to 2.7%. The Winnipeg School Division is currently at that level right now because we're the lowest uh, administration cost of any major government in Manitoba to begin with. Uh, but if we um, listen to our constituents, if we listen to our community and go ahead with what we've been told, we had five public forums. And in those five public forums, we were told that we should go above the 2%, that the province's underfunding of education is not meeting the needs of our students, and we have critical needs that have to get addressed in this budget. So our community told us to go up to 2.9%. So the difference on somebody's uh, property taxes between what the minister wants and what our community is telling us to do is $6 on the average home uh, at the Winnipeg School Division. But that being said, if we do that, the government then is going to penalize us and and tell us that we have to go down to 2.4%. Uh, in many costs, which would be well over a million dollars of cuts to our administration, which is, you know, the leanest and most efficient in Manitoba already. And we're like the fifth largest employer in Manitoba. We don't have enough staff right now to run what we're doing. And the minister's threatening basically to gut us and to throw us into chaos. So just so our listeners are following the numbers properly, you have a property t- or you have a tax hike that you're proposing that would be 2.9%. They want you to stick to two. If you don't, they're going to make you cut your administration costs by about 0.3%, which doesn't sound like a lot, but would that mean fewer jobs? Would you have to cut teachers in the division? Would you have to cut secretaries? What would it be? This is geared at senior administration. So when you have 5,000 employees, you need people to manage them and organize them, make sure that the programs that we offer actually get, uh, get put out there. And so we have a number of, of uh, supervising, uh, you know, many of them were teachers at one time and they're now in administration. We would lose a million dollars worth of staff that way, over a million dollars. And right now we're struggling to manage what we have with 5,000 employees because our min costs are so low to begin with. We could not survive a, a further cut to 2.4%. Like that would just throw the education system into chaos. It, it's it's reckless. It, it would be irresponsible. And I'm actually shocked that the government is making these kind of bully threats in this way because they can't run their shop with the numbers that they're telling us that we have to run ours. So the province has already announced this massive uh, uh, reevaluation of the entire uh, provincial education system. Will there be an opportunity for you to sit down in that process and justify your administration costs to outline with them to sit 
across the table okay. or shoulder to shoulder and say, hey, we, we, we're playing fair here in, in our opinion, and these numbers do work and they do make sense. Will you get that chance in the next little while, Mark? Well, no. Uh, we've been asking now since the new minister came in. We made five formal requests to him to sit down and meet with us. He's so far refused to meet with us. He doesn't want to hear what we have to say. And what's really frustrating about this situation is we had these five public forums where the public came out strongly supporting the Winnipeg School Division and said, you know what, you guys are underfunded. We do need more money for children with autism. We do need more money to repair our crumbling playgrounds and asphalt and and uh, all the trees that have, we've lost have been chopped down. Uh, and they, they spoke loudly and almost unanimously said, you got to do this. And once the government heard that the public didn't back their ideological play, they then come in and try to punish us with this. So this is a way for the government to get around the voters of the Winnipeg School Division who are telling us that this is what their schools need. What do you say to those who are listening and think, you know what, this province has campaigned and they have tried to rein in spending and that even school boards need to get control of their spending and it's, that, that these measures are necessary because they were, quote, left with a heck of a mess and they're cleaning it up. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I think the the people in Manitoba have been misled, if, if not outright lied to. I mean, this is a government that raised the salaries for the premier and the cabinet ministers. This is a government that raised the uh, tax credits for political donations for their donors to something astronomical that nobody can afford, like $5,000 per year. This is a government that put in more corporate uh, tax breaks and corporate welfare at a time when they're cutting schools and hospitals. The education system was underfunded already. And it, we, every year, I've been a trustee for eight years at, this, at the school division. We have made cuts for eight straight years, and we're at the point where there's nothing to cut. And, and the, one thing that's absent in this conversation is nobody's talking about students. Nobody's talking about how these cuts are going to somehow make students' lives better or that we're going to be able to teach them better uh, or to have a better education system. This is all just petty politics. It's score settling. Uh, it's one government, which is very ideological, that doesn't even want to hear uh, what the community says or listen to when the community does speak. Mark Wasiliu, trustee with the Winnipeg School Division, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Mark, thank you, as always. Good morning. Question of the day at cjob.com. Brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. Have you watched the Michael Jackson documentary, Leaving Neverland? So far, 76% say no and I won't bother. 18% say yes and I will no longer listen to his music. Hmm. 6% say no, but I plan to. And so far, no one has weighed in yet with yes and I will continue to listen to his music. We'll put that poll up on Twitter shortly as well. We had lots of people writing in, or a few texters at least, to say that they had watched it and it certainly left them feeling shaken about what for some might have been a hero and for his music. So it's an interesting conversation in terms of what impact it might have going forward. Yeah, I want to read one from Taz real quick here. Uh, hey guys, it's Taz using voice to text. Uh, 
the difference between tearing down the statue of John A. Macdonald and uh, comparing that to Michael Jackson's music is that the statue doesn't get royalties paid every time you look or listen to it. That is a big difference because, well, the Jackson estate uh, continues to make money uh, long after Michael Jackson's death. In about 10 minutes' time, we're expecting to speak with Winnipeg police about the fact that Google Maps now gives you notifications about when you are coming to a photo radar. Might not work for you. Didn't work for McNabb this morning, but many of our listeners saying that it is working for them. So Clearly we're... operator error. Well, hmm. you, but I said the cam- you the odds were high that it's cam- my fault. But you may have just come through ca- intersections where the cameras weren't armed or weren't there. So I don't know. I Don't be so hard on yourself, McNabb. You drove around very diligently <laughs> really trying to did. get this thing to work. I really did. Yeah, I was just late for work, and I rolled in at the same time as McNabb. That's because she was out doing research. She was working. I was just late. That's all good. So uh, I guess it's going to be do or die. Backs against the wall, Christian O'Mal joins us in Brandon. You having pancakes for breakfast, Christian? Oh, and one second here. Jeff Fortier, can you bring up Christian? There we go. There we Try go. that again. I'll ask hi. Hi. <laughs> pancakes for breakfast this morning, Christian? Well, what Pancake Tuesday was yesterday. Oh, so. that's right. So what are you having yeah. today? Well, I'm going to go down to the uh, Motel 6 lobby after we're done here, and I'm going to microwave a, an egg wrap that they have in the fridge. Mm. So. Yeah. yeah, luxury accommodations. It's good. At the mo- <laughs> it's actually, uh, you know, good place to say. Um, is Team Manitoba going to stay out of the playoffs? Uh, they are really in a pickle. I think the answer is yes. They're going to make the championship pool. I don't think there's any doubt about that. The only way they don't is if UConn beats Northern Ontario this afternoon and Manitoba loses to PEI. I have some doubts about that. So it looks like Manitoba will go through at four and three into that championship pool. But that means they cannot lose again if we've learned anything from the first two years of this new pool system. Four losses gets you nothing in terms of the playoffs. So they would have to beat Alberta and Kevin Cooey, who hasn't lost yet. They'd have to beat Brad Gushu, two-time defending champion, who has just one loss. And then after that, the pool B is actually not super lethal. They've got Ontario, BC, Nova Scotia, all at three and two. Those are winnable for Mike McEwen, but... It's a very, very tall task. And we saw last night that Brad Jacobs' team is, I mean, they're they're on a different level right now than Mike McEwen's team is. McEwen's team curled pretty well. I think statistically the third best game of the week, but it didn't matter because Gushu's team is, or not Gushu's team, Jacobs' team is curling out of its mind right now. So it's, it's, a, it's a clear indication that the level of, you know, Jacobs, Cooey, they're way up here. And then there's a bit of a drop-off, and that's where you find McEwen's team this week. They're not at championship level. It might take a couple of years with the way this new lineup is set up to truly get to that point. But right now, it's not it's not a team that's going to win the, the Briar, the way they're playing. Christian, that, but that wasn't really the case. It wasn't looking that way. Through two full games and five ends earlier this week, McEwen and Reed Carruthers in particular were shooting the lights out. What yep. happened? It's, I, that's the biggest puzzling part of this is that we look at that wild card game and it looked like they were on their way to 3-0 and against a, a botcher team now that still only has one loss. And then it just fell apart. It Adversity hit them and they did not recover well. And then the UConn game happened. And again, UConn's playing pretty good. They're 3-3 three and three this week and UConn generally isn't that good. But... Again, they were not able to rise to the occasion when adversity hit. And Mike McEwen rolled out on his last rock, 
the reality is that Jacobs game last night should have been between two five and O teams. But there's a reason that a team like Jacobs has won this tournament before, has won an Olympic gold medal, and Mike McEwen's team has it. Now Carruthers does have a Briar title as when uh, he was on Jeff Stoughton's team, but the reality is this is a kind of a, a still a learning curve situation for this squad, and they've admitted it as such. McEwen and Carruthers both talking to the media after games about how their expectations were kind of tempered. They're trying to figure this whole thing out, this dynamic of having two skips. Who is going to be skip? Right now it's McEwen, and he talked last night about Jacobs. That team knows what they're going to do before they do it. They know each other so well. They don't have that feeling right now with this team of Colin Hodgson, Derek Semigalski, Reed Carruthers, and Mike McEwen because they haven't curled together long enough that McEwen isn't quite as comfortable with everybody yet. So there's the game that everyone's watching for, but then there's the after parties or the during game parties or whatever you want to call it. With the, is, Do they still call it the Briar Patch where the, the garden? It's the patch. It's yep. the patch. So what's the crowds like? What, what's the mood there in Brandon with this going on? So uh, I've been able to check out the patch after I'm done for the day because I've got a lot going on during the day. But yeah, so get, getting there about 10.30 p.m. And it was a pretty good crowd last night. Uh, there was, a, I guess, a plaid theme that I did not adhere to because I, I didn't want to bring plaid. I'm like, I'm not going to wear plaid. Everyone's going to wear plaid. I'm going to be different. So I didn't wear plaid. But uh, it's it was a Tuesday, right? The later in the week this goes, like it's going to be busier. Tomorrow or tonight is the first cut. You're going to have a bunch of teams that are done. And I would imagine some of them will go to the bat, uh, the briar patch and say, you know what? We're, we're done for the week. Maybe we'll have a few. And then Friday night as well, you're going to have a lot more fans here. Saturday night's going to be crazy. Maybe even lines to get into the the patch. Uh, last night there was a, they've got this, I don't know if you've ever played beer pong, but they've got this setup with six giant garbage cans, two volleyballs, and it's basically just enormous beer pong. And uh, it's pretty cool. A lot of people got into it at one point. A couple of players from Manitoba were playing a couple of players from Quebec, and then PEI got it on the mix. So that was kind of cool to to witness and be a part of. But uh, at one point, I won f- four in a row with Ted Wyman, and we just retired on top. You're not going to beat us. Now, in you, when you play beer pong, if you put the <laughs> pong ball in the cup, you then have to drink, or your opponent then has to drink what's in there. So do you have to chug a giant garbage can full of beer? We are drinking garbage water. No, uh, it, they're empty. It's, it's just, they're just empty garbage cans. It's, wouldn't that be something that... Yeah, I think you should. I think you should introduce that. Uh, Yucca flux. uh, Look it up, Christian. Thanks for this. We look forward to your continuing coverage uh, straight through into the weekend, and hopefully we can catch up with you tomorrow or Friday. And we'll still be talking about Team McEwen and uh, the the team at the Buffalo on their back having a chance at this. Sounds great, guys. Christian O'Mel joining us live from Brandon, where he is hosting the CJOB Sports Show from the Briar from seven until nine. Not in plaid. Made that yeah. perfectly clear. Wow, anti plaid Christian O'Mel. Yeah, I'm pretty no sure idea. he owns a pair of oh, like a, a plaid pants. onesie pajamas and pants. I think I think I've, he can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I've seen him in plaid pants. So he's making a big choice not to bring any of his actual yeah. clothes. Sorry. <laughs> he well, he used to wear the plaid pajamas to work on the weekend. I haven't seen that. Yeah. It's quite the sight. I bet he has them on right now, though, as he warms up that egg wrap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, seven to nine tonight with Christian. <laughs> Mackling McGarry McNabb. So you're driving around, you got Google Maps on, and then you hear this. There's a speed camera ahead. So 
Sorry, say that again. There's a speed camera ahead. Yeah. A There's speed a, camera ahead. There's a new feature from the Googles. And it's warning drivers about photo radar cameras. And we've been talking this morning about it. We've asked you how you feel about it. Now we want to see how the Winnipeg police feel about it. And for that, we're joined by Staff Sergeant Sean Pollock of the Traffic Unit. Good morning, Sean. Good morning. How are you this morning? We're great. Uh, what are your thoughts on these warnings going out to drivers as they approach these photo radar intersections? Well, we're fully in support of those notifications going out. Again, anything that we can do to enhance driver safety and ensure that people are matter, well, moderating their speeds as much as possible to make sure they're driving for conditions and obviously for the posted speed limits are going to be a benefit for everyone's safety. But those signs have been in place, uh, well, since the introduction of photo radar. There have been uh, street signs posted warning folks of the presence of photo radar. This is just a digital version of that, fair to say? Absolutely fair to say. I think that's exactly how it is. Do the cameras, is there evidence to show that the cameras are actually limiting or reducing rather the safety concerns at those intersections and reducing collisions and therefore improving safety? That's a bigger discussion than just um, something we could have this morning, but certainly it's one of the aspects that we're always exploring. And uh, the biggest piece behind this is that the locations that we have within the city are all there to make sure that um, roadway usage and obviously speed is moderated. Uh, As mentioned earlier there, there's nothing... There's nothing hidden about our intersection safety cameras. They're well posted, they're well placarded, and as was mentioned in Calgary, these are some of the things that we're looking to use to make sure that uh, driver education and public safety is maintained. Do you know that, because Loren went out this morning trying to get the notification to work for her, she went through a number of intersections with the cameras and it didn't work. Do you know if that's because the cameras maybe weren't in that particular intersection at that time, or are you familiar yet with how the Google Maps is interacting with these things? I I have to admit, I have not used the app myself and therefore can't speak to the the veracity of how Google itself is actually monitoring or maintaining their locations, but obviously our locations have been in place for a significant period of time, so I would assume that it's going to be more on the provider than it is on um, on any movement or alteration of our locations. Staff Sergeant Sean Pollock of the Traffic Unit Winnipeg Police Service joining us now. And, and Staff Sergeant, I have to ask you this. One of our texters sent this in. Radar detectors are illegal in Manitoba. What makes this Google app and others like it different from a radar detector? Well, I mean, radar detectors are obviously trying to, as the name would imply, detect um, something that we're trying to be somewhat covert about as far as our radar usage and our laser usage for speed timing. Those are, are different types of enforcement. The pedestal-mounted photo radar that we're using at this point or intersection safety cameras, they're all very specific. They're non-mobile. They're there because these are areas that we have concerns about from collision data and so forth. And realistically, this is something that we're more than happy to tell the public about to, again, hopefully en- enhance and enforce um, their compliance with the Highway Traffic Act and the posted speed limits. How often do you revisit where those cameras go or if they should be mu- mu- moved? If I look at some of the collision data, say for Keniston and McGillivray, for example, it has a high number of collisions every year. It's usually the number one and there's no camera there. Are there ongoing conversations about moving those cameras if it really is about safety? There's always an ongoing conversation. There's data that's being reviewed both by us as well as our service provider um, we're constantly reviewing the information as far as our um, our top locations. And again, there's there are a significant number of concerns and, and implications about the way that these cameras are going to be deployed. 
Um, crash data is not simply crash data, and it's not something I'm going to go into right now, but there are a bunch of different pieces that go behind that from driving behavior as well as infrastructure. So the big thing as far as we're concerned is we want to make sure that these intersections are monitored as far as compliance with speed limits. But as is mentioned by both the Google app as well as the, the placarding and signage, we want to make sure that the public is fully aware of this because if we can prevent one collision by having somebody adhere to the speed limit or even better, just making sure that they're driving for the road conditions present, then that's a win for us. Public education and enhancement of road safety is all we're looking for. Winnipeg Police Staff Sergeant Sean Pollock with the Traffic Unit joining us live on 680 CJOB. Staff Sergeant, thank you very much, sir. Thank you. So there you have it. The police are on board with this particular situation. And yeah, do you think maybe it's just a, a situation where you as a Google user can tell Google there's a photo radar there? Mm. Or do you think Google is going out and harvesting this information themselves? I think they're harvesting the information because it's available in most public websites for cities. So it's very easy for them. Like You can go in online and find a list right now where the radar cameras are in Winnipeg, right? So The technology in your vehicles is changing as well. I noticed just in the last month or so, I'm starting to get notifications on my vehicle's GPS when I'm approaching busy intersections and stretches of road. Obviously, it's not all of them. Uh, that seems to be taking some time to integrate. And one of our listeners said on his Jeep vehicle, when he's in the United States, it knows what the speed limit is supposed to be. He has a green background when he's obeying the speed limit. That background goes red when his car is going over the speed limit as a little bit of an extra mm. reminder that he's not doing what he's supposed to do. Interesting. Wow. That is neat. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.